on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We bring you the latest OU football news. We talk Caleb Williams winning the Heisman, Drake May staying put, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, December 12th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about Riverwind's gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of December, all you got to do is visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Now we're recording this Sunday afternoon. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you are at it. And Ted, I have survived a children's <laughs> Christmas party at my house. Oh my God. Yeah. You uh you had a house full, man. It was awesome. The decorations were were wonderful. You always wonder though, right? Was it really all worth it? <laughs> this so we had like 20 plus children at our house what i think maybe the oldest was about seven or eight yeah and the youngest about a couple months like so we had there was a a a wide variety of children uh, at this christmas party that my wife put together kids christmas party and i will say this it's borderline unbelievable nothing got broken there's (laughs) like nothing is stained i don't know how it happened but we're good man we're all good wow yeah that was that was quite the party. That was awesome. Bunch of kiddos there. Um, like I said, the decorations were awesome. Santa Claus was fantastic. Perfect party. I for next year, because I guarantee you this is just going to this is a thing now. This is going it's to be an grow. annual thing. It'll grow. We gotta we gotta find a Santa with a better beard. You know, or really? like, you know, or excuse me. Santa because remember, kids listen to this with their parents. Santa needs, like, I, I feel like, in it, it's a couple of weeks till Christmas, so maybe his his beard wasn't to his full capabilities quite yet. Which it was yeah. good, but he, I could tell he's he he's got two more weeks of growth for that thing to really be in peak uh, peak condition for Christmas. It's an early playoff beard. You know, by the time he gets to the Super Bowl, which is Christmas, uh, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve night, 
he'll have a full-on playoff beard that's been growing for quite some time. It'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's enough of that. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's get into the OU football stuff. And be, before we kind of dive into the latest OU football news, this is about the time where we start asking the listeners, like, hey, who do you want us to try to get on as guests? Right. We want to try to get on people that you guys want to hear from, want us to interview. So just go ahead and tweet us. Give us all your suggestions. Don't feel free to tag people as well that they should come on. Uh, we'll definitely have, you know, some of these players for Oklahoma that are moving on after after the bowl game. We'll get to talk to a bunch of those guys on here, but we always are open for suggestions, Ted. And it's about that time we get a we start working real, real hard to get some big time guests. Yeah, no, it's it's that time. This thing's wrapping up. NFL non-playoff teams will be wrapping up before you know it. And um, yeah, it's we're getting close to off-season time, man. We're already like I feel like whenever you're going to the bowl game, you're already are like you've already got halfway into the the off-season cold tub, right? Like you're already you've already started basically. That's definitely how it feels, especially with how bowl games feel now. It's like, right. okay, when's when's the opener next year? You know, that's kind of the mind the mindset I'm moving into. But until this bowl game gets played, we're going to break it down, man. So let's start with some exciting news. Austin Stogner, your guy. Man, your guy. He is he's officially coming back to Oklahoma after a year at South Carolina and didn't have didn't have a huge year. South Carolina by any means uh, 20 catches for 210 yards and one touchdown this season for the Gamecocks but Ted I, I feel like the reason this this is so important is all of a sudden a room that was very young and very inexperienced heading into next season like you know there's going to be a veteran presence in that room now in that tight end room for Joe John Finley and that's huge. Having an experienced guy that's played in a ton of games, has played in all kinds of different environments now, it's it's going to be really valuable to Oklahoma to have Stogner in his experience in that tight ends room and as part of that offense. Yep. No, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I'm not too hung up, and I've heard people question, well, why did he leave and and all of those things. I'm not concerned about that at all. He wanted to come back. Um, I think it was I think it was Stogner that initiated the uh, the thought process of him coming back to Oklahoma, um, which you know you like. Uh, the experience factor is the most critical thing, and you know it, it's it's interesting because naturally there's going to be comparisons made to Braden Willis and. But they're they're really two different skill set type of guys. I wish Stogner would have been here this year because they're really the perfect complement to one another. Stogner's a little bit more of what you would consider, at least these days, to be a traditional tight end. He's an inline guy as a blocker, and he's a split out pass catcher. Brayden Willis is more of a H back that moves. You can move him across the line of scrimmage. You can, you know, get him the ball in some 
uh, some some more unique ways than just a split out wide receiving uh, tight end type of guy. They're really the perfect perfect duo. But uh, we need a big body. We need easy completions over the middle. You know, the one thing we've talked about is, you know, we didn't have guys that were winning one on ones consistent enough, which means the the mid-tier passing game, the intermediate passing game was really non-existent. Well, a 6-6 tight end with gigantic hands and a good ability to to get open, that can that can really bring up the intermediate passing game quickly. So, I like it. All right, I'm with you. And I do think like if you look at you look at the roster currently, right? Uh, the tight end situation for him. Braden Willis it's had a phenomenal season, going to be moving on after the bowl game. And then it's Caden Helms, who, while I think they're really excited about his athletic ability and what he can be as a pass catcher at that position, right? He's just he's not a big, thick dude. Now, he's a tall, athletic guy, right? 6'5", and I think he's probably, you know, he was listed at 225. I would assume he's added some weight throughout the season working with Schmitty and all that, but he's more of a move tight end, mm-hmm. right? So you look at Jason Llewellyn, who I think is more of your traditional Y tight end, you know, some of the H back stuff. Like he will, he will certainly be a guy that's doing a lot of the stuff we've seen Braden Willis do out of the backfield this year. I would expect Llewellyn to be more of that guy, but, it's a good thing that you just don't you don't have to force two second year players out there on the field and ask them to do it all. Yeah. Because and this is something we talked about in Jeff Levy's offense when you talk about the challenges mentally for players. Number 1 is quarterback, number 2 is tight end. They ask a lot of those guys in the run game shifts, motions, uh, different formations, like all kinds of things. They have to know as much at, or more than any other player on the field, except for the quarterback. So having Stogner come in and having an experienced guy who you would assume can adapt to the system quickly, like that'll be really valuable. And I think it also, it allows Joe John Finley to put Helms and Llewellyn in spot, like good spots for them, good spots where they can succeed as opposed to saying, okay, let's, let's go see if he can get this done, right? Let's throw them in the deep end. You can, you can work them in some spots where their skill sets fit a little better. When you, when you have a guy like Stogner that you feel like you can rely on pretty much anything you're going to ask him to do. Well, I, I agree. I agree. Now, obviously, Stogner is a fantastic pass catcher. Uh, he's 6'6". He's got good long arms. He's got gigantic hands. He's He's got good hands. He can catch well. Seems to have a really good natural feel for, for finding himself open, getting open. What do, you, what do you think of him as a blocker? I think that he's going to have a lot of fun with Joe John Finley this offseason. <laughs> that's yeah. what I – and that's something that – Listen, if Austin Stogner wants to play in the National Football League, he has to get better at blocking people. Oh, you got it. It's awesome that you can you can bring up the tape and show him like I don't know where Brain Willis is going to get drafted, but I think he is. 
Um, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get drafted with how well he's played. Agree. And I think he'll make a team uh, just by the way that he's, you know, what things clicked and the way he started playing. It's a great asset as a coach to be able to say, because you're talking to a guy that has been around him, knows Braden Willis well, you can say, look at this film, look what he did whenever he started focusing on blocking and look what it's done to his career. So I think that could help Stogner, just that alone, having that example to go off of. No, I'm with you. And I, I just think that I, I do not expect Austin Stogner to come in here and catch 50 balls and have, you know, 700 yards received. Like, I, I just don't think he's that type of player. What he needs to be is what Braden Willis has been for this team this year. Physical tone setting leader. Yep. That's what they need him to be. They don't need him to, he's not going to turn into Travis Kelsey. Like he's just not, he's, he's not that type of player. They need him to bring that leadership. And I've always, I've always really enjoyed the fire that Stogner plays with. They need him to bring that and they need him to turn up the intensity and the physicality. Right. And if he does that, He's going to put himself in a really good spot to play professional football. But that is his path to an NFL career, is being an ass kicker. He's not He's not going to be one of these guys that is, you know, people are fighting over him to have them on their fantasy team. Like, that's not, he's going to make a career out of being a tough, hard-nosed guy that can win at the point of attack and can do some of the dirty work. Guys like that at the tight end position stick in that league for a long, long time. Yep. Yeah. And he's, you know, he, he doesn't run away from people, but he's got such good natural size that it, it's like, um, it's, it's like, it's almost always feels like an entry pass to a, a player on the block uh, in basketball. Like you just throw it to the leverage side that he's got and he's going to come in with it. And he's so big and so long that, even if you're a safety that's in good position, you just can't make your way around him to get to the football. And plus, he's got those white gloves on. He looks like Mickey Mouse, where <laughs> his hands look like they're half the size of his body. It's great. Yeah, he does. We'll we'll see if he he alters that at all. But throw it to the white gloves. You got to leave those on, man. Yeah. U- ultimately, you go. You know, looking at next season for Oklahoma, and I know Cade McIntyre is in the 2023 recruiting class. They're excited about his athleticism and maybe what he could be as an offensive weapon. We'll see if Venables let, lets those guys keep him on the offensive side. We'll we'll see. He but, keeps moving weight the way he does. Like he's gonna find himself with his hand in the ground. Yeah, we'll we'll he's see, but what was looking like a very thin position next season. Still, it you don't have the depth you want at tight end, and I don't think Oklahoma is done trying to bring tight ends in. Like I, I think that, that is that's a that's a position group that with the way that they did some things with Braden Willis this year, like I think that they see the potential in having difference makers in that room and they're going to want to continue to bring those types of guys in uh, and, and grow those numbers. But you were going to have a couple guys who have not started a single game being your main contributors, most likely. And, and now you've got a guy that started a bunch of games and played a bunch of football. 
in the Big 12 and in the SEC. Like it's it's a good thing. Yep. It's a good thing. Very good thing. I, it's just funny to think like where would our offense have been this year if Braden Willis hadn't come back? I like forget like even forget the Wildcat stuff against Texas. Like I'm just talking like our everyday, everyone's healthy offense. Like he did so much for them. I'm sure it's I'm sure that's changed their whole opinion of of how important the the tight end can be to that offense. It it was it was the glue this year. Yeah. Very rarely do you feel like a tight end's like the vocal leader of the team. Yeah. And that's how it felt, right? Just being around being around that team. So Austin Stogner, he's coming home, baby. Welcome back, Stogner. Maybe let's let's try to get Stogner on to talk about it. We need to. I, I'll we'll see like if we can to, make that happen. You know, because the story's really interesting. Like he we all know the injury, the Kansas deal, the infection, and you know, how much weight he lost and was just never the same player after that. You know, for whatever reason, and I'm sure it wore on him emotionally and mentally, but I'd like to see, you know, like, where is he physically? Like, what, what, is there any lingering effects from that? Has he totally moved on from it? So, I, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of stuff there to, to talk about. Yeah. We'll reach out to Stogner. We'll try to, why did you leave us? <laughs> and why are you coming back? <laughs> two question interview. We could do it in two questions. That's it. All right, some other news. Josh Ellison has entered the transfer portal. Uh, he is a guy that flashed last season and just a guy we didn't see much of this season. Um, was not a consistent part of Todd Bates's rotation there on the interior of the defensive line and not surprised at all to see him jump in the portal. Uh, he's the type of guy that, you know, maybe he goes somewhere else and and makes a bunch of plays, but yeah, for whatever reason, Ted just wasn't much of a factor for this football team this year. Yeah, and you know he was a guy in spring and early in camp. They were talking about being one of their more consistent guys. You know, he, he plays a little high at times, and you know he he's not the most most physical guy that they have. Like his his toolbox maybe isn't as full as some other guys, but. They really loved the effort that he played with and the consistency. And I think that just slowly diminished as they put more and more on those guys and they had to, you know, learn more, more defenses, more, more blitzes. I think he just kind of slowly fell, fell to the back of the line. But, you know, he's a player that I think can go be a, a rotational defensive lineman at, you know, some fairly good schools. I'm with you. You you wonder if he's the type of guy that, and I know there, and a lot of fan bases are like this, right? Everyone wants to know, hey, did the coaches ask you to get in the portal, right? You people, some people calling it getting processed, weeding guys out, pushing guys out, whatever term you want to use. I don't know, I haven't asked, but Ellison is just a guy that. He just really didn't I, – I I was really surprised he didn't bring much of anything this season. Yeah. I So I, I don't know if they said, hey, maybe going and playing somewhere else is the best thing for you, but I've seen some people being like, oh, no, there's the depth in the interior of the defense. I'm like, wait, what? The guy didn't even – he hardly played. So that's where 
this is one of those situations where I look at it and say, well, and this sounds cold and heartless, but it's like, hey, that opens up a spot. Yeah. That opens up a spot where we were getting nothing from that guy. So that's just, yep. I, I mean, it's it's a simple numbers game, man. It is. That, that's how it goes. And, you know, here, here's the bottom line. I, the transfer portal is something that, like, I don't know that necessarily the players um, organized in, like, had that the, the the demand of being able to transfer is something that they got behind. But I, nationally, it was just one of the things that continued to be, well, how come coaches can leave and players can't, right? Over and over and over. Well, here it is. And, you know, one of the unintended consequences is, well, as there's more guys in the transfer portal, there's going to be more movement off, on and off of a team, and that's just kind of how it goes. Um, but I, at the bottom line is it, it's not a bad thing if some guys want to transfer. It doesn't mean that your culture is bad. It doesn't mean that the coaching is bad. It can just simply mean that, hey, I can read the writing on the wall here. I'm not going to play coach. I want to go somewhere where I can be a starter, where I've got another opportunity, where I can get, you know, whatever it is. It's not always has to have some deep meaning to it. Can't just be simply, I want to go play some ball and I'm not being able to play here. That seems probably like what, how the, how it went down with Josh Ellison, right? With just how, how it didn't work out for him this season on the field. So Wish him the best of luck, man. Hopefully he goes and makes some plays. Uh, unless he goes somewhere where they he plays against Oklahoma, then when I hope, then I hope when they play, he doesn't make plays. That's <laughs> that's fair, right? I could say that. That seems fair. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one other thing. Several official visitors this weekend in Norman. Now, uh, several guys that have been committed in, in the twenty twenty three class for quite some time, but. Everyone seems very focused on uh, two brothers that are currently in Norman uh, on a visit. Uh, Dasan McCullough and Day. I think that's it. Day. Just Day. Yep. Day McCullough. It, Ted, I would say from the conversations we've had, the the vibes are high when it comes to these two men and their possible future at Oklahoma. Vibes are high. I, you know, whenever you get as emotionally attached to this as I am, you're setting yourself up for a deep heartbreak. Okay. Um, but you know, as of, as of right now, it sounds like everything has gone well. Um, this kid is, he's a game changer for our defense, man. Like day one on campus, probably the best player on our defense. So at a position of need, well, I say position of need. He's one of the best things about him is his position versatility. He can be an edge rusher. He can be a cheetah. You know, if you had to, you could probably play him at inside, but, you know, stand up edge and being able to come off the edge, drop into coverage, peel and take a running back man to man, you know, the, 
the obvious comparison is Isaiah um, Simmons that Venables had at Clemson. Size-wise, very, very similar. I think um, I think Deshaun may be a, a maybe a hair taller. Not not exactly sure, um, but he's not quite as fast. But he ain't slow. He's a he's a four or five guy. So and he's got his dad is a coach, um, running back coach, but still a coach and has been a coach for a long time. So you feel like he's he's grown up around it. He's been in it. You know, even as a running back coach, when you're teaching your little kids, you know, if they're playing defense, you know how to give them the proper tutelage. So um, just the point is that I know he's only got one year of ball, but he's probably got more coaching than most kids coming out that like most more legit coaching. So, yeah, I um, I'm hoping he comes. It it's uh, it would be a game changer for us. Yeah. And you, you think about. All of the issues defensively, right? That that kind of showed themselves in Big Twelve play. They did not do a good job of getting to the quarterback. And, and I know that a lot of these offenses in the Big Twelve, the ball is coming out quick, right? I understand that. And you know, with some of all the, these the quick RPO game, you know, all this stuff that's at or behind the line of scrimmage in this league, I understand it's hard to rack up a huge number of sacks. I get it. But just from its, you know, having some conversations, they they feel like this guy can be be one of the best pass rushers they've had in a while. So he's got the best tools of anyone I can remember, except I maybe which I haven't I haven't set eyes on Deshaun in person yet, but. Like, okay, sure. is it Deshaun or Deshaun? I don't. I've heard like four different things. I don't know. I say, I've been saying Deshaun because I heard someone else say that, but I don't know. And I've been saying Deshaun because I heard someone else <laughs> say that. So let's just go. Let's call him D for now. D. D. Um. Yeah, I haven't set eyes on him. You know, he's he's taller than Oboe. Uh, now, Oboe had really long arms and had some good thickness to him. Um, he seems like he's going to, because he's taller and he's 225, he's going to be way leaner, but, you know, he'll he's younger. He'll put some, some good weight on. But we haven't had a pass rusher that looks like this that I can remember at all, right? I mean, it's... But the, it, the best pass rusher... Well, Benito was the best pass rusher we've had in the last several years. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a, I mean, he like certainly a, wasn't six he, spot. Like he, he six wasn't, three. yeah, yeah, he wasn't a super long armed, you know, six, five guy. Like that's just not what he was. Now he was a hell of a college football player. He's doing some good stuff in Denver, but yeah, I'm trying to think of a, like Isaiah Thomas, he he had when you just looked at the measurables, he he had the measurables, but he's a completely different like a, style of player than this kid. He's like a hand down D end, and this kid, I'm sure, will be lining up over the slot at times. You know, so yeah, he's he's a he's a unique animal that we haven't had through here uh, very often, and especially whenever you combine that, it's not just a height and weight thing. You combine it with a really good skill set. 
that you've already got a lot of good tape on and you've seen it in the at the Big Ten level. So it's exciting. I'll say this. I would I'd pay money to have a copy of Jerry Schmidt meeting this guy for the first time. Just oh yeah. That big dog. Hey. Uh-huh. Big dog. <laughs> <What do you laughs> I'll think? get you right. He's like like a like an artist looking at a blank canvas. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a barrier there's a there's a communication barrier whenever you first meet Coach Schmidt, because uh, he's got the mouth covered and he talks fairly low to you. And it's almost a uh it it feels like it's almost in code, <laughs> right? And if you're not familiar with the code, you may not know what he's saying. So uh but yeah, he's He's got some special tools, that's for sure. And um, his brother, four-star safety, who was or I think still is committed to Cincinnati. And, you know, obviously Cincinnati lost their head coach uh, with Fickle. And you got to feel like that's he's he's kind of ripe for the flipping right now. So we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the coaching staff can finish the job, man. That's that's what we're hoping for, and no matter what happens, one way or the other, we'll definitely talk about it on here. So that's right. we'll that's see. Right. Now, one last thing, and I thought that I wasn't sure if we wanted to save this for winners and losers, but it, it was it was just it was such a group experience for all of us that I felt like we just needed to talk about it here at the start. Baker Mayfield brought so much joy to all OU fans with what he did on Thursday night football. 98-yard drive, capped off with the touchdown to Van Jefferson with 10 seconds to go to beat the Las Vegas Raiders. We needed that, Ted. We needed that bad. We all needed it, and I felt like for the first time in a while, all OU fans were very, very happy all at the same time. It, it, It was a fun experience. I enjoyed it. It was wild. I think Baker needed it too. You know, Um, it's interesting. I was watching, but for whatever reason, just kind of the way that Thursday night football has gone this year, I felt like I was the only person in the United States that was streaming Amazon Thursday night football, especially whenever, what were they down 16 to three? I think at one point, like there's absolutely nobody watching this. Um, that changed quickly. Like that first touchdown, like it was on fire, like Twitter, everything was on fire with like, you got to watch this game. And, you know, if, if I had a dollar for every talking head out there with, uh, what 98 to go and two minutes left that we're saying, there's absolutely zero chance they do this. I'd be rich, man. Uh, that was awesome to watch. It was cool. It was, and I saw this from Elias Sports. The 98-yard drive that Baker took the Rams on was the longest go-ahead touchdown drive in a two-minute situation in the last 45 years. Is that right? That's crazy. I feel bad for our man Plank that it was against his Raiders, but... That was, and there were some great plays on that drive, right? This chronic catch was fantastic. A few dumb and maybe questionable penalties also called on the Raiders. 
but it that doesn't change the fact that that was that was a shared experience that all OU fans needed after the way that this this season has gone. We we needed that. We deserved it. And who I believe is the most popular and loved OU player of all time uh, delivered for us all. It was uh, that was a blast, man. It was great, and I'm glad there was a bunch of OU fans watching, so you can see why you don't just always run press coverage, right? That's why, because you can get beat down the field. It's a bailout, makes it easy on the quarterback and wide receiver. Um, now the quarterback's got to make a throw and Baker dropped a dime. That was a perfect throw. It's also kind of funny. It just, which I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's all for naught, but we grind and grind over a week of preparation, right? You put all of this work into it. It just really shits on the narrative whenever a guy shows up 48 hours before, plays quarterback, and has the longest drive to win a game in 45 years, um, doesn't know anything in the playbook. You know, it just, it really, it's like, well, what are we even doing with all this practice stuff? Why don't we just yeah. go out there and let them wing it? <laughs> just, Coach, let's just wing it, you know? No, Which it I, was... I would I would love to have the headset audio with what McVay, because you know, he's telling him to play. He's telling him like what the read is telling him like where you're throwing the football. Cause you know, he doesn't know any of it. Like this could not happen pre uh, walkie talkie into the helmet era. All right. They, they said that cause he had one practice, right? They said that they went over like some sequences of plays like that he was comfortable with because he was cramming on the flight and all that stuff. But yeah, I imagined it was like Sean McVay just like playing Madden. Yeah. Like exactly. just stream of consciousness playing Madden like out loud. And that's the perfect guy you want for that role, right? I mean, I don't know how many other how many other coaches would would be able to I mean, there's a bunch of good coaches. I shouldn't say that, but just his energy and like how detailed he is and how well he knows that offense and how fast he can talk. Yes. You know, like all of those things are, it's, that was really cool. Cool to see. I, I'm sure at some point, like NFL films, they'll come, they'll come out with something like that uh, eventually sure, because yeah. yeah, that was, that was like the most surprising thing. That was like one of the, because Thursday night football, it, there have not been very many good games. All you have to do is just listen to how pissed off Al Michaels sounds now calling those games to know that they haven't had a lot of entertaining ones. He said the schedule's been crap. Yeah. <laughs> but even Al Michaels was, I mean, he was into it. Everyone what was into said, it. What do you say, man? Is this real or something like that? That was, that was great. great, man. Um, yeah, not good for the Raiders, though. Remember, they were the one. They lost to the Colts when Jeff Saturday took over. And now they are 0-4 when leading by at least 10 points at halftime. Which is an insane statistic for the NFL. I, yes. That is – that's insane. As hard as it is to score points, um, wow. Yeah, that's – <laughs> you know that has to piss off Raiders fans so bad to lose – 
to a coach that was on the couch the week before, had never been a head coach, and to lose to a quarterback that got in town 48 hours previous. That's It's just wild. That's hey, got to be – that's got to be infuriating. Okay, we do have some breaking news as we're recording the podcast. Theo Weiss, he announced Missouri for Theo Weiss. How about that? That's interesting. Yeah, I I thought originally it, it sounded like perhaps it was going to be USC um, is what a lot of people thought. Um, but okay, Missouri, interesting. I'm trying to think, where's he from? Where's Theo Weiss from? Texas guy. Okay. Interesting. Well, so, good luck to Theo. I, you know, I think he's I think he's a good sol I think he's a solid kid, first of all. Um, I think he's got some some really good skills. He's a big physical kid. Um I I, I wish him the best. I really do. Yep. So we'll see. Uh we'll see how things go. For Theo there, so uh, going to be learning from Eli Drinkwitz, right? Head coach that cut his teeth uh, as an OC. So we will uh, we'll see how it goes for him. I wish him all all the luck in the world, man. He's yep. been he's been a pleasure to cover, um, and just did not have the type of season that I think really anyone thought he was going to have. So um, completely understand him moving on, and we'll we'll see how it goes for him. I think he'll do well. I do. I hope you're right. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys the most important thing that happened this weekend for Oklahoma football, and this first one comes from Boomer Bowtie. <laughs> Love it. So the visits, most importantly, but Geyer losing so the Bowen drama can finally come to an end. So didn't Geyer which is where Jackson Arnold is, where Peyton Bowen, who a lot of OU fans, if you follow recruiting, you have been following uh, Peyton Bowen and what's going to happen there for a long time now. But they lost to DeSoto in the semifinals there in the Texas State playoffs. And a lot of people, you know, I've heard our, our buddies over at Sooner Scoop talk about this quite a bit. A lot of people think Bowen was waiting for the season to be over to make his decision. He's still committed to Notre Dame as far as I know, but a lot of people are anticipating him uh, flipping to Oklahoma. And now that their season is over, I guess, I, I don't know when you would anticipate that decision uh, to be made by Peyton Bowen, but he is a very highly rated uh, and recruited safety prospect that I know the Sooner staff are uh, hot after. Yeah. Yep. Um I think they believe he's the the best safety in the country this year. Um, you know, there's there's a a lot of reasons to feel really good about him coming to Oklahoma, but you just you never know. Um, that rumor has been out there since all the way back in the middle of the summer that they got a really good shot at Peyton Bowen. So, um, still committed to Notre Dame. I don't know if it's going to be a signing day thing. I don't know if it's um, if it's going to happen now pretty quickly since he he's done with his senior season. I don't know, but the people that seem to know and are involved in that recruitment feel very, very strongly 
that he's going to end up at Oklahoma. Now, when that is announced or when it's done, I, no one seems to know that. But, you know, I feel like there was the rumors, there's a couple of roadblocks there previously that maybe aren't aren't even there anymore and makes you feel really good about Oklahoma landing him, which, by the way, five-star kid, I, if, you, if you pull him from Notre Dame, that'll – like for those who who care what the recruiting class is ranked, which you know I I understand if you do I understand if you don't, but that would help our recruiting class ranking wise quite a bit. Yeah, it would. I and I don't stay on top of that as much as a lot of other people do, but I think that would put them somewhere close to the top five. I'm guessing because yeah. well, they've been in the. They're at seven now, um, and. You know, I, I think that if they if they were to land him and land Day McCullough, I think it would get him into the top five because you're peeling Notre Dame is ahead of you and you're peeling one of their five star prospects. So uh yeah, I think it I I think without it I shouldn't say without a doubt, but I feel very strongly to get you inside the top five. Yeah. And that that kind of goes with this next one uh, from Kim Pearman, who says, Our coaching staff in countless living rooms. The build has begun. Let's go. I love that. The build has begun. So uh, we, we've all seen the pictures of BV and the position coaches making the rounds, these in-home visits. And there's one thing I know about Brent Venables. He's going to impress in those living rooms, man. I mean, the guy is an electric factory when it comes to engaging with those prospects and their parents. So I, I'm just trying to figure out like what surprise is coming because you get Venables in there, especially if he's like one of the last people that some of these prospects see, like my hope is that, you know, we, we've seen some of these guys that are on the radar now. Like my hope is that he can close on someone, maybe a couple guys that we didn't even have on the radar. That's my hope. I'm hoping he can, uh, he can do what he does best. Ted. Well, I, I think one of the, one of the guys that that may be would be like a to Celia Kana. Um, you know, it sounds like Venables has kind of been the leader on that recruitment. Like he's taken that one on himself. Um, uh, and you know we saw that picture come out with 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 them there, him and Miguel Chavis going to visit him. So that would be a big one, man. I like I don't think you land them all just because that's that's the nature of how this thing goes. It's difficult. It's super competitive out there. But I, if you were to if you were to flip Peyton Bowen, land this uh, um, Day McCola and his brother, and get either to Celia Kana or some, some people think that we still have a chance to get David Hicks. Who's committed to Texas A&M. Like if you could, if you could pull all those things off, man, you're, you're looking really, really good. Yeah, I'll say this. It would make six and six feel a whole lot better. It would, <laughs> you it know, would. it would. Yeah, I, I think, think that's what we're all searching for at this point. I, and I think that's fair. Uh, I think that is fair, but we'll see uh signing day right around the corner. So just uh I'll be here fast. Yeah, huge couple weeks uh down the stretch here for Brent Venables and his staff. Okay, let's get the birthday shout outs. 
happy 22nd birthday to Seth Talladega Anderson. Happy 40th birthday to David Proctor. Happy 40th birthday to John Simpson. Happy 61st birthday to Jimmy Wright. Happy birthday to Austin Reed. And happy birthday to Carrie Murdoch. I received multiple, (laughs) multiple requests to have Murdoch's birthday mentioned in birthday shout outs. Oh, that's great. Had to do it. Love you, Carrie. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Hamadre. That coffee is fantastic. Love's also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. And Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com and use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses. I went back into the old ad read that I still have memorized, (laughs) and they changed it on me. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was weird i like went into autopilot where is there where... <laughs> i was like wait what those aren't the words that i'm i'm oh, that was bishop mcginnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 ap courses participation in ossaa athletics where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow if you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children. See, I can do this part with my eyes closed. I've done it so many times. <laughs> Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. National College Football Roundup, only one place to start. Ted, we're geniuses. Geniuses. <laughs> and, and could tell the future. Went back and looked. We did an episode on October 17th. 2021 the title of said episode OUTCU recap can Caleb Williams win the Heisman nailed it man we don't we the answer is yes yes he can we nailed it we knew this was coming we do we knew well over a year ago this was coming what a horrible episode recapping that OUTCU game and then discussing Caleb Williams winning the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, 
it became apparent, obviously got some help, you know, um, uh, Hinden Hooker getting injured, like that felt like it was where it was going to go because of the year that he had and that Tennessee had, you know, he had, Caleb had the right games lined up there at the end of the season to really make a climb for it. Um, And it really, it was a weird year. And not, I don't mean this taking anything away from Caleb Williams. He was, I think, definitely the rightful winner. But it didn't necessarily feel like anyone went out and grabbed it. It's just like everyone kind of faltered and there wasn't really much of a choice left. Yeah, it was like everyone, everyone finished poorly and he was just so important to his team that they're like, yeah, let's give it to him. Yeah. And yep. and that's fair. He, and I'm not trying to take away anything from him. He was really, really good for them this season. I I don't know how many games they win if he's not their quarterback, but it's a hell of a lot less than they did win. No doubt. I mean, he was he was spectacular. He becomes the eighth USC Trojan to win the Heisman Trophy. And man, that was a long speech, though. Whoa. <laughs> now and listen, you win the Heisman Trophy. You get to take as long as you want with the speech. Them's the rules. I am fine with it, but man, what was it like 13 minutes? Now I will say he thanked pretty much everyone he could think. And I thought, thank and I thought that was cool. Uh, I did. Yeah. Thanked all the right people had, had a couple of jokes that landed uh, early on, which I was like, okay, he's getting into the groove. Good stuff. But I didn't know if they were going to start to try to play him off like the Oscars. Like, hey, man, we got to get to commercial eventually. Or, but it was, I, I thought it was, it was a solid speech, covered all the bases. And then uh, I'm a sucker for showing some, showing your alignments of love, man. That was cool. That was, as a former offensive lineman, that was a really cool moment. I thought that, and, and I know there are a lot of people that want to be very cynical about that. Don't be. Just accept it. It was really cool. It was yep. cool as hell. He, and, and I don't care where the money came from that allowed him to be able to purchase the tickets for his own lineman. He didn't have to do it. Right. He did it. And he brought yeah. them all, and they all got recognized. They got to stand up during the middle of the Heisman Trophy acceptance speech. As an offensive lineman, that never is something you think you're going to get to experience. That was cool as hell, man. It's the first time I've that's never happened before, has it? No. I mean, so yeah. And people want to say, well, it's NIL now and he's got the money to afford. Listen, I get that. But that doesn't change the fact that it was really cool. Right. Like yeah. it, that was a very cool moment. Yeah. And here's the thing, man. He, and he understands this. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily why he did it, but like, when you have individual FaceTime on a national broadcast like that, that is, it's just, it's worth a lot of money. So you stretch it out as long as you can, especially if you're not up there making a jerk out of yourself. You're, you got a, a, a good speech put together and you can recognize a bunch of people. Like that's 13 minutes of primetime television. That costs a lot of money. So you use it for what you can when you got it. Uh, I'm with you. And he, he made the most of his moment, man. <laughs> he just kept going and going and going. It was all, it was all good stuff. I really liked the stuff. 
you know, talking about almost like speaking to younger kids, like, Hey, if they're doubting you now, like you can do it, you can accomplish whatever you put your mind to. Like, that was cool. Mm-hmm. It was cool. And I know that there's some people that are like, well, he only brought the alignment cause it's good PR. It's like, listen, I don't care. Yes. It's good. It PR. Is. <laughs> it is yes. Good it's PR. calculated. Everything that Caleb Williams and his family have done pretty much since he got into college, like it's, like the bigger picture is in mind. Like they view him as a brand and it's good for the brand to bring the O-line. Right. It's also still very cool in an experience that as far as I know, no other O-lineman has ever had. It's good for the O-line that it's good for the brand, right? Exactly. (laughs) And it's good for him to have all those offensive linemen be happy going into next year. And I know some of them are moving on, but that's just good for overall business, man. It's good stuff. I liked yep. it. So not I I get some people uh still feel a certain way about him and about Lincoln Riley, but I love the offensive line love, man. I really did. I one confusing thing. USC, and this is this is the dumb stuff I think about when I watch these things. <laughs> USC and Nike school. Caleb Williams rocking the Adidas and Gucci collab suit. I saw that. Could not have made the Nike execs happy. It may be a sign of things to come. Has he already signed with Adidas and we just don't know it? Hmm. It may be a message to Nike to break out the check, but then if 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 that's what you want, let's go. I just, I will say though, and I'm not... uh I'm a fitted suit guy. I'm a fitted suit guy. I know that the oversized look is like high fashion right now. I just, well, it's not what I would have gone with. Not even that, like the, the Adidas pinstripes on the suit pants, just make them look like sweatpants to me. It's fashion, Ted. Yeah. I know. I I don't understand, but that's fine. Like I can, if, if people tell me that that's what's in, okay, I'm down with it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln Riley clearly was uh, prominently featured on the broadcast. And listen, I know. I get it. But the man has been a head coach for six seasons in college football. Five at Oklahoma, now one at USC. His quarterbacks won the Heisman Trophy three of the past six seasons. And Jalen Hurts finished runner-up. Well, that's what I was about to say. It's insane, man. I think, <laughs> it's insane. I think of the six years, well, may, maybe he wasn't head coach when Baker was runner-up. So maybe it's five out of seven years he's had he's either won or had the runner-up there, right? Because Jalen was the runner-up and Baker was the runner-up the year before he won it, right? I think that's right. And yeah. he was the coordinator there, but still, like, yeah. that's it's crazy. You know what else is interesting? Now that Caleb transferred to USC, it's still all transfers, which is interesting. Like, I don't think that has takes anything away from his coaching ability or recruiting ability. Obviously, he recruited um, Caleb from the get go. It's just it's that's get used to that. In college football, that you're 
when your quarterback wins a Heisman Trophy, there's a good chance that it's going to be a guy that transferred from somewhere else, right? That's just kind of the nature of of the uh, sport now. Yeah. And last thing about the Heisman, Max Duggan coming, Max Duggan coming in second is just awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, from second string to start the season to finish in second for the Heisman Trophy. Incredible. And it's and it his team's done. going to the college football playoff. Like that's it's a I, I feel like we haven't focused on just how wild his story and they did a really nice job on the broadcast of the Heisman stuff. You know, really really pulling at our heartstrings for Duggan. It was good. I he's got I a great it. story. He's got he had a I mean, that's the one thing and I knew it wasn't gonna be enough. There's just too many voters out west, you know, and there's been so much pent up demand out there for for something to rally around football wise, but like he had the, he had the Heisman story that they love to pump up and write about, you know, it, it was, it was impressive. I think that they could do some damage in, in the playoff. Like I know Michigan's a really good team, but like the threat of him running the football is something that Michigan hadn't seen a whole lot of, you know, especially combined with the other skill talent that they got. It's going to be fun to see how it works out. Yeah, and and he's got another year, right? Yeah, he can come back. You think he will? I don't see why not. Yeah, especially with what, you know yeah. nil stuff. Like he could, you have to assume that you know he can talk to whoever he needs to talk to, and like he'll get taken care of, and probably make it some pretty damn good money next year playing quarterback for TCU. I would assume. Yeah, I have no idea what his his draft grade would be. I, um, I'll say this. He's got all the intangibles you want in a quarterback and a leader. Yeah. I mean, he does now. Does he have the strongest arm? No. Is he the most accurate guy ever? No. But guy's a damn football player. Yeah. We haven't well, seen him quite be the battering ram this year. That's like about, we've seen the last say, year. But. Uh, he's, you know, he's a big physical runner with a football, like, he will require a mindset change whenever he goes to the next level, right? Those guys do not last long at the, in the league. If you don't slide and get down. Yeah. But as far as being a competitor and being like a good locker room guy, I think he could stick as like a second or third string quarterback, especially with his mobility. Every team is interested in having mobile guys at the quarterback position. I would not be shocked. If we look up 10 years from now, we're like, wait, Max Duggan's on his fourth team, but he's been in the league for 10 years. Like he could be that type of guy. I could see it. He's going to be a, he's going to be a sports trivia question a decade from now who finished runner up in the uh, 2022 Heisman trophy race, right? As he's, uh, you know, inserted as backup quarterback in week nine uh, to go out and try and beat the Broncos or something. Yeah. I, I will say, I'll always wonder what the voting may have looked like if TCU was able to get it done in the Big 12 championship game. Yeah. Especially if, like, Duggan goes diving into the end zone to win it or something like that. I'll I'll always wonder. Now, it didn't work out that way, and congrats. (laughs) He went diving into the end zone, all right, but it just – they did not rule it a touchdown. It was crazy. Yeah. So, we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see what it looks like for TCU in the playoff. That game, still a couple weeks away. We'll break it down when it gets closer. Okay, one thing I wanted to talk about because I think it's great 
for college football as a whole. Drake May is staying at North Carolina. And he posts a picture on Twitter. The caption read, could never leave this place. I'm a Tar Heel. All North Carolina fans, I assume, breathed a significant sigh of relief. I assume Mac Brown did the same because the the rumors had really picked up once North Carolina's former offense coordinator Phil Longo he left for Cincinnati or for Wisconsin and to join Luke Fickle's staff and a lot of people looked at that and went oh well is Drake May going to follow him to Wisconsin like is he going to go to the highest bidder enter the portal go to the highest bidder Right, He got recruited by Bama. I think he flipped from Bama actually to North Carolina as a recruit. So there was all these things being said. But he comes out and said, no, I love playing here. I'm staying. A bunch of family ties to the program. And I'm just really glad, man, because I'm glad that a guy of his caliber who some people think that he can challenge Caleb Williams to be the first pick in the 2024 NFL draft. I'm glad a guy of that caliber was like, no, I'm good. Now, I'm sure North Carolina's taking care of him. Don't get me wrong. But I, I just thought it, w- it it felt very healthy for the sport for him to stay put, if that makes sense. Uh, I agree. 100% agree. Um, I like that decision. You know, it It is interesting to think, like, what he would be capable at, of, of at one of those programs that has the insane amount of talent that they'd be able to surround him with. Like very few times did Drake may go into a game with, you know, the best offensive line, the best skill guys surrounding him. You know, he did a lot of that stuff on his own. Um, You know, if if you can, if you have a dominant offensive line, it changes things massively for a quarterback. But all that being said, uh, I love that, that he stayed. And you would think that that should give North Carolina a boost in, the transfer portal for receivers, skill position guys that want to come in and be a part of an offense that should be able to do some really good things next year. Yeah, that's that was one of my thoughts as well when I saw the news. I was like, it went from a it, what would have been a catastrophic situation for North Carolina to maybe the best recruiting tool imaginable. No doubt. Yep. It's like, hey, Drake May, yeah, the guy that everyone thinks is going to be the number one draft pick here uh, in the next draft, he wants to stay here. He doesn't want to go to Bama or Ohio State, wherever. He wants to stay at North Carolina. I mean, you, you're Mac Brown and that staff. you got to be using that out on the recruiting trail, and that's for your recruiting class, but also guys coming in from the portal, like you mentioned. Ted. Like, it's massive for North Carolina, but I just – I'm really glad because I do think there are some guys that just jump into the portal and I, and I don't blame these guys cause it's, it's the way the system is, right? It's how, how it works now, but there are some guys that jump in to see what offers they get. And I'm, but I, I was just, I don't know if that, that feels like when you're talking about star players, especially star quarterbacks like Drake may, that feels like it would take college football down a very I don't know, unhealthy path. I, I don't know. I was just, I was really, really glad he made the decision that he made. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, um, it, it's, it's 
while the transfer portal is somewhat a positive for college football, I don't know if it's, I mean, there's positives about it. There's negatives too. I mean, it would, it's just, it's weird to think that anyone on any team can be a free agent at any moment and go anywhere in the country they want. And that naturally lends itself to the best teams, the best programs continuing to be able to add the best talent. And there's a reason you can't do that in the NFL. Like they want it. They want the talent spread throughout the league, right? That's why you have the draft. That's why, you know, there's, there's a way to order the, the draft picks and you, you try and keep it as balanced as you can. And, college football already does not have a balance of power. And if stuff like this were to, to continue, like this is, this is like to try to maintain some type of parody. So I agree with you. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Just, it would have been so deflating for him to be like, yeah, I'm jumping to the portal and going to Georgia. I know. Yeah. It just, I, I think not only would it have been deflating for North Carolina's fan bases, but there would have been a lot of fan bases across the country going, Oh my God, like we could be next, you know? And I just, I'm very glad think, we avoided that situation. Do you think Tennessee donate their collective donated a bunch of money to North Carolina's collective to keep Drake may from going to Georgia? I hope so. <laughs> what, what, whatever they gave is worth it, man. Cause that dude could sling it and yep. you, no, we don't. We don't. We need Drake May in Chapel Hill. We don't need him down in Athens. They got enough dudes. They don't. They don't need that guy. That's right. We we want this to be somewhat interesting. You know, there there to be some mystery <laughs> when it comes to who's who's going to end up winning these national championships. Okay, only thing I have left in, in the national college football roundup. There was a game this weekend, and I watched just about every snap of it because. I don't know. There's nothing else to watch. And Army Navy, the pa- dude, the pageantry of that game's so cool. It is. Yeah. I mean, it is the stuff before the game. Uh, watching those teams run out, like it's just, it just feels different than every other college football game. And, and I love it. Like, you know, my disdain for the triple option. <laughs> I, I think it's a tool of Satan. I think it's like the most boring thing to watch ever. But it doesn't keep me from watching these two teams go at it every single year. And it's always an incredible Jersey matchup. Those Navy helmets were so sick, but Ted, the first pass didn't get completed until 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It was a painful watch for me, but I enjoyed it anyways. Overtime, baby, overtime. Yeah. Well, you know, first completed pass came within 10 or 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter, but you know, you got to the fourth quarter in like uh, 45 minutes. You know, that's that's the beauty of it. <laughs> that was the fastest first half ever. I, know I don't it. know if anyone keeps that stat. It felt, I was like, oh my God, it's over. Remember when Army, whenever we played Army, it, like, it was like everyone's watching the clock going, oh no, like the game's disappearing. Where's where's the game going right now? <laughs> yeah, that I, I think it's awesome, man. I, um, I It's a throwback. It's... You know, you you understand. Like, it's just I don't know all of the stuff around it, but just like, whenever both teams are doing something similar like that, I think it makes it a lot better. It becomes less of keep away, 
Um, you know, like whenever they're playing an up-tempo offense, it's, you know, they're playing a game of keep away out there, but yeah, this, this was a, this is fun, man. And I guess Navy's getting a new coach, huh? Yeah. I, I saw that, uh, Ken Niamatololo won't be back for 2023. Had had a ton of success there at Navy, but the Naval Academy looking for a new head coach. I, I thought that this was when they were talking about it on the broadcast. I was like, is that right? It was the first time they'd ever gone to overtime. Mm-hmm. And they had played like 132 times. Yeah. Well, they didn't even have overtime until like the mid 90s. Uh, you ended in a tie, which oh, that style. I'm getting of- enough of that with the World Cup. I know. Or I got, got enough. Now they actually make someone win, which is right. nice. So I enjoy it more. The the style of play that they have every year lends itself to what you would think would be a lot of overtime games, right? You would, you would assume, but I will say the overtime, like the, the majority of the game was boring. I'll just say it was boring. It was great, but it was boring. That overtime was exciting as hell. (laughs) What, What first play overtime, what Markel Johnson rips off a 25 yard touchdown run. That place was going nuts. Then Navy hits him with the play action. Didn't even see it coming. I think that was their first completion of the game to tie it up and send it to double overtime. And oh man, I felt I felt so bad for Anton Hall from Navy. Fumbles going in to the end zone of that second overtime. Oh. Just a brutal way to lose a football game. Tough. Yep. Um, man, you hate to be – I. you like to win and lose as a team, and I know they did, but you hate to have, like, that moment, right, where everyone can say, no, 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 we didn't lose this team. You fumbled the football, right? That's what you're trying to avoid. <laughs> it's like – you don't always necessarily try and win the game. You just try not to lose it, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's one that Anton Hall is going to think about for sure. uh, for a long, long time. But last thing on this game, first Army-Navy game where the over hits in 16 years. Man, you want to really torture yourself? Bet the over in that football game, right? Could you imagine? Oh my god! What sickos bet the over in Army Navy? Now there, I, I don't know what the odds were, but I, I assume there was some juice on the on the over. And sure, why not? It's like that's a living room pacer right there. It's like, what are we doing, guys? It's third and twelve. Throw the football. What are we doing right now? Uh, it was fun though. It was fun. Always fun. I just, I love watching that game, even though I hate the triple option. I really do, but I love watching that game. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. But first it's football time in Oklahoma people. And there's nothing better to drink at the tailgate than clubby seltzers. Clubby seltzers is an Oklahoma company that is already winning national awards because their product is delicious. It tastes exactly like a club special, but it's a seltzer. And they're not just for the tailgate either. They're perfect to drink on the golf course, by the pool, after mowing the lawn, whatever. And if you haven't tried Clubby Seltzers yet, go grab some. You won't regret it. 
The first variety pack is out. They got some new flavors in there. They've also got a new can. If you want to find a place near you that has clubbies, visit clubbyseltzers.com. And attention business owners, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order on a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I got to go with... Brandon Moore, uh, former teammate, former roommate. Uh, I consider him to be a mentor. Um, he was a senior whenever I was a freshman um, at OU. And then he had a medical and came back and played in 2001. Was a Sam backer for us. Uh, was awesome. Had a good NFL career. Then we played together later as well. We're roommates again. Um, love this guy. He's a first year head coach at the Colorado school of mines, uh, was their defensive coordinator previously got the head coaching job, actually interviewed for the UCO job here in, uh, in OKC, but first year head coach, he's got the Colorado school of mines division two playing in the national championship next week. Um, awesome. They beat the, they beat the number one overall seed. A week ago, uh, Angelo State went down to their house, beat the hell out of them, um, and then they just uh, ran through another team at home, and they will be playing, I believe, Ferris State, who's the defending national champs. Uh, they'll be playing them in McKinney, Texas, next week for the D2 National Championship. What an awesome year. Um, you know, they're – their quarterback, Colorado School of Mines quarterback, was up for the, I think it's called the Harlan Trophy, which is the D2 Heisman Trophy. Um, I think the quarterback from Ferris State's the one that won it. So you're going to have those two teams going at it. It's going to be awesome, but I'm so proud of him in year one, taking that team to uh, to the national championship. It's really cool. That is, I, I'm, I'm relatively confident that's the first Colorado School of Mines reference in the history of the podcast, but that's awesome. So year one and just taking the squad to the national championship, no big deal. No big deal. Um, he's obviously got a really good quarterback, which that's, it's an awesome school, by the way, that I didn't know of until he started coaching there a couple of years back as the linebacker coach and D coordinator. Um, I think golden Colorado course family helps fund the program um you know they're they're a well-funded division two school uh just beautiful one of the best engineering schools in the country and it's just so fun to see him have uh, a ton of success there really really cool that that is awesome i won't i won't lie one of my favorite activities is to try to predict who your winner and loser are going to be <laughs> 
stunned you didn't go with the Lions. I mean, st- now I didn't know a former teammate of you was doing such big things. So right. I, you know, but I was I was pretty shocked you didn't go with the Detroit Lions after them putting it on the Vikings. They I, smoked the Vikings. Smoked them. Dude, are uh, are the Lions like good? It seems like they're good know. now. It's hard to tell, isn't it? It I we're so there's there's such a uh the muscle memory with the Lions lends you to believe that anytime something good happens there, it's a fluke. It is not going to last, um, but I don't know, man. Dan Campbell is – he's an awesome dude. He's infectious. Um, I don't know. They're fun to watch, man. They are. And what they've got – don't they have another high draft pick this year? Yeah. Remember, they've um, got the Rams pick from, from the, the golf trade. Yeah, that's right. So they have won five out of their last six. Mm-hmm. With their only loss being Buffalo when they kicked the last second field goal to win it. Yeah. I think the Lions are good. They're playing some ball now. Good defense. Aiden Hutchinson's been playing good up there on the D line. And uh threw it to uh Sewell, right? That was awesome. Nothing like throwing game on the line. You're trying to ice the game. Game not on the line, but you're trying to put the game away, right? You're trying not to have to punt it back to Minnesota. And you somehow get to a boot concept where you're throwing it to an offensive tackle in the flat. Hey, you got to take it. And then he just belly flops on the ground after the first down. It was incredible, man. Uh, Hey, you got to have your draft picks making plays out there, right? Um, They go with Sewell, which how's he been? Is he he done good? Is he? Yeah. 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 Uh, you go with Sewell, then you add another defensive lineman, or uh, you add a defensive lineman in the next year with Aiden Hutchinson. Good things happen when you build the team from the inside out, and my guess is they're going to continue to do that. I don't know. Maybe they'll go quarterback, but Goff seems to be doing pretty good for them. I'm with you. I am with you. It's fun to watch the Lions succeed. Fun to watch. Now, who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Had to go OU men's hoops. Oof. Took a tough one there, but that's a really, really good Arkansas team. Um, what they're they're top ten, I think they're what number nine in the country going into that game. Had the lead through a decent part of the part of the first half. Um, the BOK, like I know that's in Tulsa, but that's an Arkansas venue, man. They have been filling up the house. It was heavy, heavy, heavy Arkansas uh, fans there in the BOK, but. Yeah, uh, couldn't get it done. You know, you heard from Porter Moser at the end of the game. Turnovers, second chance points, points in the paint, points off cuts, didn't take care of the basketball. And we've got to have more guys play well in an atmosphere like that. So, you know, they they did some good things. They shot the ball well from three, but they just they didn't have any answers for Arkansas in the paint. I am not a basketball expert, mm-hmm. but Arkansas's guys looked much more athletic than Oklahoma's guys, especially in that second half. You could like that. Uh, I mean, Smith, Nick Smith, like the length he had, the bounce he had, the, the council guy. Five-star freshman out there, right? It's like you could just see the athleticism, the length, 
and, and this was the thing for me is like ev- as I watched again, like everything seems really difficult for Oklahoma when it comes to generating offense. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Arkansas, it was like layup, dunk, layup, dunk. You're just it just seems like it came on the offensive end. It just came so much easier to the Razorbacks than it did to OU's guys. And not not saying that OU's guys didn't put up a hell of a fight. They did. But that's a that's an Arkansas team that just overall has a lot more athleticism than what Oklahoma's got from what I saw. Yeah, there's there's been people throwing out that Arkansas is going to be a, a Final Four team this year, which – the SEC hoops wise right now has got it going on. What you got Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama, all three in the top ten. Plus you got Kentucky. It's like it's like a fifteen or sixteen. Um SEC's got, got a good uh, basketball conference going right now. Yeah, but I was I was really excited watching the first half. I was yeah. like, Oh let's go. Let's go. Maybe they can knock off the top ten team, but the the lack of the lack of athleticism is what is what stood out to me. I, I will say I did I did like what we saw from Sherfield for the most part. Like it wasn't yeah. perfect, don't get me wrong, but I thought a guy that is supposed to be like the go-to guy for this team, you mentioned the atmosphere. I felt like he stepped up in, in a lot of different moments, hit some hit some nice shots. Dude's still shooting like fifty five percent from three this year, which you know I I've I've got to imagine that he's going to come back to the pack at some point, but you know he's 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 still putting up some numbers, putting up points. But you're right, like the athleticism in the front court, and when Groves took that horrible final foul call, uh, that kind of did us in there. Yeah. All right, let's get to my winner and loser. But first... First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And if you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. you got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate. And you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. It's big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. Remember in 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with penalty kicks, man. We got some, we got some good World Cup action 
no doubt over the weekend. Some insanely late goals in stoppage time, injury time, whatever the hell you want to call it, that ends up uh, forcing penalty kicks in some of these games. And you know, two of the quarterfinals come down to PKs: Croatia, Brazil, Netherlands, Argentina. And I will say this: I absolutely love the suspense of penalty kicks. There's a ridiculous amount of time in between the penalty kicks and the drama and the suspense just get to build. It's fantastic. Ted, it is, it's must see TV. It is that the, the Croatia Brazil game was just incredible. Um, how all that went, went into the extra time, obviously, and ended up in the PKs. It's, it's a lot of fun, man. It really is. Um, I don't know why they don't force a game to a resolution. I guess they don't want them to have to play those super long games. But after watching that, you feel like you're really being robbed whenever some of those games end in a draw, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, like, I get so nervous for each guy. It's like, oh my gosh, if he kicks it off the post, the entire country's gonna hate him. Oh my god. Like it there's there's so much on the line. Like I, I don't it's different here because soccer isn't the show in this country, you know what I mean? Like it's not the main thing. You just gotta realize like these guys are the most famous guys most famous athletes in their country. Like, and it's all on the line on these penalty kicks. It's, I mean, it, the pressure just has to be insane. I love it. Did Have you ever taken a penalty kick? I, I, I'm sure I did when I was like a little kid, but no, if recently, no. And I'd be worried for multiple, uh, muscles in my leg if I had to take one, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I I'll say this. I am. I would be the guy, hey, step up, take it confidently. None of the, like, creeping around the ball and trying to play mind games. No, I'm hammering that thing and putting it in a corner. Good luck stopping it, nerd. I used to pound it like a 100-mile-an-hour rocket directly at the goalie because, you know, they're, they're guessing one side or the other, and I would just rip it straight at him <laughs> and it was successful it worked good i like it i worked. like that technique i like yeah. that strategy it was good but it's fun my- though man i agree that that is it's one of the best ways i it's a great overtime i i don't know that there's any other sport that really uh, it's totally different than anything else i i think we we all wish that the games could just be decided during regulation. Right. But out of any sports overtime, like it's by far the best. Cause everything else, you just basically continue playing. This is like a totally different thing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like if basketball ended on like a, you know, a three point contest or something, it's, it's, it's just like one on one. Right. Yeah, just like games of one-on-one, right? (laughs) You pick your best defender and they have to guard the other guys. Like, it's just, it's awesome, man. It really is. I agree. But my winner of the weekend, the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. Damn. Yep. 
I mean, they look good right now. They smacked the Giants at MetLife, forty-eight twenty-two. Moves the Eagles to twelve and one on the season. They just they controlled the entire football game. I mean, this was they came out, punched the Giants in the face. It was twenty-one to nothing in the blink of an eye, and I was like, okay. This game's over, and they they did not call the dogs off. They just kept scoring and scoring, but the Eagles' defense is one thing. I thought that they played really well for some stretches, and, you know, the Giants have some offensive limitations. That's that's no secret, but that Eagles' offense, man, the way that that O-line is playing, the way that the running game functions, you know, with a guy as explosive as Miles Sanders, and then – Jalen Hurts adding what he adds as a runner, especially down in the red zone. Hurts has become just a fantastic deep ball thrower. Now, whether it's Devontae Smith, that touchdown he had to him, there was a little luck involved in that one. You know, safety kind of jumped a little early, but he's finding A.J. Brown. He's just, I mean, he's he's awesome. Ted, I never thought he'd be this. Like, he is... He's playing out of his mind, and the Eagles are an absolute problem, dude. Yep. No, they are. Um, he's he's clean, he's efficient, and he can run the football. But he is a he is he is a he's not Cam Newton, but he is a he is a large, physically impressive, durable runner of the football. Right. You don't he this is the thing about him. Yeah. This is the thing about him for me. He would be if he wasn't a quarterback, he'd be playing in the NFL at another position. Mm -hmm. Like that's how well built and athletic he is. Yeah. No, I agree. He you just you know, there will come a time where you worry about his durability. And he's had that ankle issue. Seems like he's he's moved past that. But other than that, the dude is he's an impressive physical specimen that you know, you can you can have him factor into the running game, and it in the NFL, whenever that's it changes the dynamic really quickly. And you know that's why it's so hard to play defense in college footballs. Is a lot of it has to do with the quarterback run game, and in the NFL, whenever these these offenses roll around, where the quarterback run game is a big factor, it's it's tough to stop, man. It really is. Yeah, the Eagles ended up rushing for two hundred fifty three yards. Which is like the a college equivalent of rushing for 500 yards, basically. Yeah, it's I mean, just, that is rare to run for 250 in the NFL. That is a massive number that is going to have a lot of people in the New York Giants organization very sad. <laughs> so, it, I mean, Hurts, he's got to be right up there when it comes to front runner for NFL MVP. I mean, the guy is playing fantastic football. For my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with Mike White. That man was in a couple car wrecks Ooh. against Buffalo. I mean, and give the guy a lot of credit. Showed a ton of toughness coming back a couple times in that game. I think his teammates are going to respect the hell out of him for getting back out there after a couple of those hits he took. But, dude, he got absolutely blasted. A couple of times and hits were as legal as they could be, man. But he got smoked. It was the ultimate example of 
oh, you want to play, you want to play quarterback in the NFL. Okay. This is what it can look like. I mean, that offensive line was doing him no favors, dude. Like he was getting rocked by that Bills defensive front. Oh my gosh. It's funny that he came back in the game. It reminds me of the um because I happened to watch it this week, the Jeff Brom uh XFL. Uh how are you coming back in the game after a hit like that? Let me ask you, let me answer that by asking you two questions. Is this or is this not the XFL? Yes. Do I or do I not have a pulse? Yes. Let's play some football. Is that what, is that All what time my wife interview. did? <laughs> Which that, have you ever seen that hit? Yeah. <laughs> he looks dead. The guy, he, the guy would be out for like at least a month now. At least. And he was back out there. I just a lot of things have changed for good reasons. He came in, back in the on National the sideline in that game with the neck brace on. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. But yeah. Uh, so great job, Mike white, but man, that looked painful. That did not look fun. Uh, also thought about going with the Tennessee Titans got smacked by the Jaguars. And we talked about the odd move last week of them firing their general manager and, they did not play well. You can't turn the ball over in the National Football League. Uh, you, you even that's one of the few times I've seen Derrick Henry just absolutely get rocked and fumble the football. That I feel like that doesn't happen to him very often. But what they lose the turnover batter four to nothing. That's how you lose to yeah. the Jaguars at home. Yep, that's it. That's brutal. Uh, rarely, if ever, in the NFL are you going to forget four turnovers to zero but rarely do you lose it at all one to zero two to one whatever it is it's it's hard to lose the turnover battle and win in the nfl you lose it 4-0 you might as well walk off the field at that point and go home yeah so a, a disappointing performance from the titans but my my loser of the week and it's just because we've talked about how important this stretch is when it comes to recruiting and the transfer portal and getting your team ready for the bowl game and all that. So I, I I've got Mississippi state as my loser of the week. Do you see this stuff about Mike Leach? I no, I didn't honestly. It's I, I mean, it's not shocking it, though. He, he hasn't sounded good recently. Yeah. He's had that cough and like it, that whole thing, but I guess, I mean, it sounds like a pretty scary situation. So Mississippi state released a statement and they said that he had a personal health issue at his home on Sunday, they ended up transferring him to a hospital in Jackson via ambulance. And that's really all the information that's been given uh, other than their defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett, he'll, he'll be running things until Leach is back. But you talk about a bad time to have a health issue, man. It is. And uh, yep. first and foremost, let's hope that Mike Leach is just all right. Right, we don't know how severe this was. What happened? Is it a heart thing? You, you, I, I mean, we don't know. But this is a crucial couple weeks in the college football calendar, and to have your head coach laying in a hospital bed instead of out recruiting and trying to do all those things like that's that's rough, man. This the timing. It's it's never a good time to have an right. emergency medical event that ends that you end up in the hospital. Never a good time for it. But this, from a college coaching perspective, is an awful time for this to happen to Mississippi State's head coach. 
it is um it's not good yeah you this is whenever the the typically the head coach is you know some of the busiest he is all year going out seeing recruits hosting visits to transfer portal guys coming into town um obviously figuring things out for whatever your bowl game may or may not be yeah it's it's super busy you need you need your your guys active but you're right like i just i hope he's okay um has not looked healthy lately um and i don't know if i if there's been something going on like long term or if this is just something that hit him surprisingly but yeah that's uh it's not good hope he's okay yeah so all the uh positive vibes and and prayers mike leach's way uh, seems like a scary situation but some awful timing as well on that note a happy note <laughs> that's not a happy note that's <laughs> i don't know what episode 274 uh, in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. And until next time, we appreciate y'all for listening. What you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one more.